Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Margaret and welcome to the show Journey into an Unknown World. Of course I've been doing this a long time now and I'm sure a lot of you have got used to me. You know that I take the normal and make it unusual and then of course I take the unusual and make that normal so I'm always flip-flopping around from one thing to another but in some way I hope that I've been able to help you see a transition in yourself, a change, a point of view and of course right now with all the planets where they are we're going to go through a lot of changes next year. So I wanted to think about myself and in the process of doing that think about where I was going to be and what I wanted to do next year and it came down to myself saying to me what do I believe? And so I'm going to throw that out at you. What do you believe about you? You know, when I was a little girl, there were a lot of adults around me because of World War II, and, and they were all saying how a child should behave. So I heard things like children should be seen and not heard. Whereas today, we all know very well that children are loud and noisy and they're always in our faces, climbing all over us, telling us everything they're experiencing and we're saying, yes, wow, what a wonderful life. But is it really? Unfortunately, there seem to be a lot of people who are having a hard time being here. And of course we say, well, why is that? Why should it be so hard? And then we start saying, well, there's the technology and well, is everybody doing two or three jobs so kids don't get the time? Well, we're cutting down all the forests. Well, we're having heat waves and so on and so forth. And I come to a point where I say, well, what do you believe? So I go back in myself, I go back in time to when I was little and I can certainly tell you that there was no part of me at that time knowing that I would become what I am today. So what am I today? Well, I'm a leader, I've been recognized uh, for all the work I've done and as a result I was given two qualifications to have my PhD twice over, one for my ministry and my hypnosis and my counseling side and one for all the therapies that I've created, my books, my thesis were my books and so on and so forth. And so here I am, a doctor. When I was a child, all those years ago, when I was five, I wanted to be a doctor. But I had a little undertone running inside me. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not bold enough. You're not able to remember things very well. You're getting all your numbers back to front. I was in an A stream school, and if I got a C plus or a B minus, I thought I did very well. And my teachers did not. They said I would never achieve anything. I am a loser. And I remember standing there in front of my headmistress who was telling me, if you don't pull your socks up and try harder, we will have to put you into a lower stream school because you're just not clever enough for our school. Can you imagine my ego? It, it just burst, the balloon burst, I burst, I cried. 
I didn't know what to do, but I went home. And my father, who often sat down and gave me little lectures about the fact that I'm a lady and a lady should be grateful for our ancestry that went back 1066, royalty and all that stuff, and told me that I should be able to do anything because I'm getting a good education. But it didn't really help. After all, who are all these dead relatives I never even knew? Why was I trying to please all these people I'd never even met? But I didn't think that then. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to go out there and be a leader just like they were. I have to go out there and achieve goals. So off I went into the big wide world. Ambition, yes it was there. Drive, yes it was there. Passion and desire, yes it was there. But what wasn't there was support. And I know that there are many of you listening to me right now who are saying that you do believe in yourself and you do believe in your capabilities, but there is no support around you. There is no one saying, yes, you can do that. And the one thing I have to say about my father was for all the long lectures and the boring times I had listening, the one thing I took in is, yes, you can do that. And the other thing I took in all the time was his proud smile and the tears in his eyes when I did do something such as singing and dancing, which I love to do and which everybody clapped anyway, because what do you do when you're five? Everyone thinks you're sweet and cute. But it was enough, you see, to give me that motivation, that drive and that ambition to want to try harder. So whenever the test came in my life, there was always some kind of big issue coming down which I was in the middle holding up the world. Do you identify with that? Do you feel like you're holding up the world in your family? Or perhaps you feel you're stuck in a rut doing the same thing day in, day out. Well, are you complaining about it? Are you angry about it? Are you ready to change that? You see, the bottom line is that we drive ourselves till we get to the point of exasperation, frustration. We take it out on our family members. We shout at them. We blame them. It's all your fault, etc., etc. Well, it happened to me. Yes, I did sink to the bottom of the well. Yes, I did go into acute depression. Yes, I did clinically die because of taking my overdose of pills without knowing I was. Now, I didn't intend to die, but it happened, and I was brought back. And in being brought back, what did I realize? I realized that the world was not about everyone else out there and trying to please them all that everything that I believed was not really real, that I had to go inside me to find out who I really was. Now, the one thing that I didn't tell anyone about when I was a child is just how psychic I was. I was healing everybody, yes, but nobody knew that I was talking all the time to spirit guides. Now, if I'd have told anyone, they'd have marched me off to the local doctor and I'd have been filled with all sorts of pills and 
I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So I'm glad I didn't tell anyone. But the thing was, those voices that I heard, they were a mixture of nice voices and nasty ones. How did I know who was good for me? Well, sometimes I got told go do something and I found out, hey, that didn't work out and that was a bad message and they were telling me a lie. And other times, something worked out splendidly and I found myself saying, wow, this is really the truth. And so in time as I matured and grew up, I began to realize that I did have a support system. I had marvelous spirit guides who were giving me every opportunity to learn if I only asked. And that's a big question here that I want to throw back to you. Have you asked for support? And if you have, have you asked the right physical people around you for that support? Or have you, even deeper than that, asked your intuitive self, your instinctive self, if it feels right? Or even deeper, have you acknowledged your psychic skills and have connected with your spirit guides and asked them to help you and give you support. In my latest book, Quantum Entanglement, A Paranormal Point of View, I explain how over the years, different things happened to me, which brought me to the understanding of the oneness. I suggest if you like reading, that you might like to read the book because I think it'll shift your consciousness into an awareness that you are very important to all that is and the, that exists in the oneness. And you are also extremely important to yourself. You are the catalyst to you. So let's go back to thinking about you as an infant. Let's go back in time. Obviously you can't remember what happened when you were in the womb. So I'm here to tell you that your brain was already full of information before you were ever born. That information came through the DNA and it came through the RNA of your mother. So between the two you were born a very wise person. Problem was you couldn't speak yet and you certainly didn't remember anything from past lives, so you had to start all over again. And of course, in those days, the cells in your brain, there were so many, you could learn very quickly. And by the time you were able to walk and talk, you had come to believe a lot of things that you had seen by looking, watching, you became aware of the words in phrases to say, this is what I know, therefore this is my world, therefore this is what I believe. And that's your own subtext going on. And now outside of you, you've got people talking to you, telling you stories. I remember when I was small and I learned that Santa Claus or Father Christmas didn't really exist, that it was mom and dad. Well, that was a big disappointment. But I also remember that when I was in the garden playing, I saw fairies and elves. That wasn't imagination. That was real. So I had a conflict. 
Why is it Santa doesn't exist and fairies do? Why is it that we have these beliefs that are true and are false? So, of course, where did I go? I went into my head, I went into my psychic self, I went into my emotions, and I listened. And I heard a story. Once upon a time, there was a man, and he lived in a house. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a good story. And then my guide said, well, what does the teapot, the kettle, the stick, and the cup have to do with the old man? And I thought for a while, and I came up with a nice story with the old man. He had a bad foot, so he needed to lean on the stick. And he picked up the stick, and he saw that he could cross the room, so he did, because he wanted to have a cup of tea. So he put on the kettle, and he boiled the water, and he had his cup of tea. And I thought I was doing very well. And my spirit guide interjected and said, Now, Margaret, that is a good fantasy you just made up. And I said, Fantasy? What do you mean? It's my story. And they said, No. These things have nothing to do with one another unless you choose to make a story. Otherwise, it's just a teacup. It's just a kettle. It's just an old man. It's just a stick. It's just a house. And I realized when I heard that story so long ago that life is what we make it. We have a choice to believe the way we want to believe. So I'm coming back to you again and I'm saying, what do you believe? Did someone tell you in school that you'll never amount to anything like they did to me? Well, I think I've achieved a lot, two PhDs, written 10 books, had my own TV show, do all these radio shows, been on umpteen different other people's shows, traveled all over the world, taught in all sorts of places. I think I amounted to something. So you see, what it was that gave me my ambition, that f little lecture that I hated so much was my dad telling me, you are a lady, you can do anything. And it went in because I heard it 21 times or more. <laughs> Hypnosis, if you like. And I believed it. So I'm coming back to you and I'm saying, what do you believe? Do you believe learning is difficult? That it's hard to go back to school? Because when you were in school, it was always that, you know, some teacher can't find the words here right now. That happens too, you know, when we're young. Can't explain ourselves, not sure what we're supposed to write in homework, not sure of the facts about the subject we're supposed to teach. Maybe can't read very well, maybe dyslexic, which I found out years later I was. You know, whatever it is that we have, there is a way to change that input that comes at us and say, that was in. And that was according to the way I was during that time. But today, I'm different. Do you know that your body regenerates itself every seven years? So actually, you're not even the same body that you had when you were five years old. So in the same way, we change our thoughts. We change what we believe. Some of you listening may th feel that you're really 
in rejection of who you are. I agree, if you don't feel happy, then you must be. In that case, you might like to read my book, The Rejection Syndrome, that will teach you all about how we are encoded with our own soul structure that gives us a personality and a character. And we're entitled to develop that personality and character and to do whatever we want to do in our life to fulfill ourselves. Are you angry? Are you frustrated that you're not feeling fulfilled? Do you believe that you cannot find a way to teach yourself something new? Or to go out and about alone and find new friends? Do you believe that you are not intelligent enough to have a conversation about something with someone who's very big wig on something or other? Well, who cares? The bottom line is, they don't know what you're thinking. They only know they want to talk to you about what they know. And if you don't know anything, you can sit there and nod your head and say yes and no and learn. So it's a golden opportunity to be with someone who knows more than you know. So I like to seek the company of people who can teach me something. And even if I do get those critiques today, like, hey, Margaret, you know, you're fooling over your words when you're speaking, or, hey, Margaret, you should know this, you've done it four times before, why can't you remember it this time around? I simply look at them and say, that was yesterday. Today's a new day, I'd like to learn it again. To explain I'm dyslexic would take too long. It's easier to just say, I'm ready to learn today. My advice to you is to take a little look at all the things you believe. And the best way to do that is not in your head. It's to write down. And I suggest you write two columns. The first one is, I believe positive. And the second column is going to believe I believe negative. Okay. Now, why did I put I believe positive first? Because what we usually do is try and drum up all the negative first and then we go over and over all those negative things and then we talk ourselves out of ever making the positive list. So we want to come back to the reality of now, today. What do you believe about yourself that is positive? Now, nobody's saying it has to be tremendous. It can be a simple thing. For example, I positively know that I can do the washing and put everything in the cupboard without dropping anything on the floor because I learned many years ago how to do washing up and drying up and putting things in the closet. And I do that without even thinking about it anymore. Why? Because it's become a talent. It's become a skill. It's something that's so easy to me that I don't think twice about it. Well, that's positive. It could be that you're listening to me and you think, well, my job is I'm a mechanic and I know how to strip an engine and put it back together. And I do it without thinking and I enjoy it. Okay, that's a positive. That's your job and you love it and you're working a way you like to work. That's a plus. But what if you are working in a job that you hate? There must be some parts of a job that you like. Years ago, I was working in an office. 
and uh, I was working with several people and it just happened those several people all got sick, went off to conferences, whatever, and I was left running the office. Little me, all on my own, only been in the office three months, just about knew what was going on. And I was left for 10 days to manage that department. It was in insurance, had people coming in and out all the time. So what did I do? I deal, deal with them, I wrote the memos, sent things to head office, did the forms, whatever I needed to do. And at the end of that time, when everybody came back, they were amazed that I had not got a backup. I had not left anything undone. I had not forgotten a thing. More importantly, I proved to myself that I could manage alone. And that is an important belief that I can manage alone. As a pioneer in alternative medicine and the paranormal, and you've got to remember I was around when people were saying woo-woo to anything to do with spirits and anything that was abnormal was under the old witchcraft laws, so actually I could have been arrested and slung in jail forever. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is you just get on with it. You do what you have to do. And so I had that pushy part of me. I had that desperation almost of I've got to succeed. I want to succeed. I want to do this. And so I'm coming back to you now and I'm saying if you're in a job that you don't like, there must be a few parts of it, some parts of it you do like. That's your positive. And if you're really, really in a job that's nothing, then it's time to tell yourself you're entitled to something. And something means a choice, making a choice, diving into the unknown, going out there where no one has been before, as it were, and showing yourself in the world that you can do much more than you've ever been able to do before. Why? because you're erasing that five-year-old child that's saying, I cannot do anything. You're erasing all those beliefs that those outside forces, be they teacher, priest, mom, dad, the guy down the street, all that information you took in those first five years is history. Those people may even be dead now, and yet you're still running those thoughts. That's like saying you've got the old Word Perfect program in your computer and you're trying to run the latest Word and it doesn't work. So we've got to delete the brain. How can you do that? How can you delete history? It seems impossible. Well, actually, your brain likes to grow. It likes to have new ideas. It likes to have everything happening all at once so it can rewire, as it were, that's the right word, restructure your thoughts and your ideas. And all it takes is for you to use all of your five senses at once. I'll just remind you what your five senses are. The sense of touch. Putting your hands, and you might like to do this right now, onto your body and say to yourself, I can feel how big my body is. I'm no longer five, I'm not tiny. And feel how you're sitting on a chair listening. And recognize that you're not sitting in a tiny little 
chair that's only two feet high. You're sitting on a chair that's probably four or five feet high, depending on whether it's a big sofa or not or something. So here, there's a physical difference. So do you think that justifies believing that you can still fit into a tiny kid's chair? Now, let's take another thing. You might be told when the lights go out, you have to go to sleep when you're a child. But maybe you're working a night job. Is that true? You can't put out the light and just go to sleep while you're working. Think about what you're doing and realize that you have changed those ideas already. So why are you getting tired at night before it's time to go to bed? Are you running those childhood yawning tapes that say, oh, it's 7 o'clock in the evening. I must, I'm so tired, I must go to sleep and then wake up at four in the morning and want to wake the whole household up when everyone else is still sleeping. <laughs> okay, there are people, I've got a lot of clients who come to me who have a sleeping issue because they go to sleep at the wrong times. And it has nothing to do with their work. It has to do with what they learned as a child and what they believed. So patterns of thinking come and go in your everyday life. And while you're being sensory to your body size, you also want to be sensory to what you see. If you're looking out of the window through glasses, were you wearing glasses when you were born? I think not. How did you see the world when you were a baby? Lots of sparkles, lots of light, Lots of strange things to explore. Today there are still strange things to explore. To look at the world with new eyes. Even if it's just to watch something like National Geographic. Teach yourself something new by watching something. And say to yourself, I'm not five. I'm my age I am now, and I can have a new point of view. A leaf isn't just a leaf now. I can look at it with a scientific mind, or I can look at it as an artist and want to paint it. I can see it differently. And when you look at the world, you can also recognize you hear it. When you were a baby, there were just a lot of noises going around, probably a lot of them frightened the hell out of you. But today you know what those noises are. But do they still worry you? Of course they do. Because when you were a child, they frightened you. So spend some time looking and listening. And say to yourself, if I jump at sharp noises, or I suddenly see someone in a mask, I'm not going to be frightened and pee myself. Instead, I'm going to laugh and say, wow, that was the unexpected. And my response may have been fearful, but it was still fun because I remembered how to be frightened to death and yet at the same time, as an adult, I know I'm safe. You know, I've written lots of books and I've made videos about those books. So if you want to know more about my books, all you have to do is to go to my website, www.sumariscenter.com, S for sugar, U, M for mother, a-R-I-S for sugar again, center.com. 
and you will see all the books that I've written. And one thing that I did want to say about writing is that it gives you an opportunity to bring what's in your head out of your head onto the paper for your eyes to see what's going around in your head. If you don't bring it out of your body, if you don't present it and share it, then the world doesn't know what you're thinking. So communications is very important and your brain needs opportunities to talk to people. So if you're lonely and you're miserable, it's better even to talk out loud to yourself than not talk at all. I had a period in my life when there wasn't many people in my life and I used to talk into my recorder. And I found when I went back and listened to them later that actually I was telling myself a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, and eventually that led to me writing the book, The Rejection Syndrome. So you see, when you bring things out of your brain onto paper, you're collecting information that's going to be useful for you in the future and it's going to teach you something right away. So we've talked about the feeling of of touching things, we've talked about seeing and hearing. What about food? What about smell? What about drinking things? You know, when we're children, we're given bottles of milk all the time, but when we grow up, often we're allergic to milk. Why? Well, maybe when we were young, there were too many people telling us what to do while we had a bottle in our mouth, sucking on it, trying to get comfort. Maybe you were a thumb sucker. And so now today you smoke cigarettes or try some other stuff, you know, that we shouldn't be trying. You're comforting yourself. You're trying to tell yourself, I need my space or I need to be understood or I need to be heard. I need to be supported. If you're not opening up, if you're not sharing, then how can anyone do those things for you today? today that you are an adult, today that you are doing things the way you want to do them. Now when we talk about the way you want to do them, we really want you to be sure that you're doing them for you in the right way. So for example, if you knew you put your keys in the hall, you wouldn't go looking for them out in the garden. That's not my idea. That belongs to Wayne Dwyer. In other words, what we're saying here is you have to put things in order that you can do that's in a structured way that makes sense for you, not to make sense for other people. If they're interested, they're going to stop you and they're going to ask, what are you doing? Then you can share. The one thing I see so often in people's lives is that they try and insist that those they care about or those they work with must understand them. And of course people close down. They don't want to hear because they're too busy dealing with their brain and their issues and wondering what's going on with them. I need you to remember that. I need you to remember that it's all about you sorting you out on your own. The process of using your five senses of smell and taste comes back to associations. 
when you were a child. Maybe you liked the smell of bacon, but your father shouted and you lost yourself for a minute, peed your pants and felt insecure. Of course, we could go a lot into all of that side of things right now. But if you have any memories like that, write them down on the negative side so that you can see it's still something that's still going round and round like a loop and you need to cut it, destroy it. Because that was then when you were a kid, it's not now. So I'm going to leave you with this homework. You're going to make these two columns. One side is positive, I believe, and one side is negative, I believe, negatively. And at the end of that list, I want you to write on the bottom under the positive, I can and I will adapt, grow and mature further as I have done before. And under the list as negative, I want you to write obsolete, no longer of use, ready to do something entirely different today. And let yourself read that over and over again and then go away and forget it. And next time you listen to me, maybe you'll begin to realize that you believe things about yourself in a whole different way. It's a new point of view. And once you get that, you're never gonna turn around and say, I have no support. Why? Because you'll become so positive that everyone around you will want to be with you and work with you and help you to do the things you want to do. So I'm getting ready now to do webinars. If you'd like to be on my list to hear my webinars, which will be teaching webinars at a very, very low fee of only $20, go to Sumaris Education Center now. Sign up, put your name down so that I will be able to let you know when we start doing them. I hope you've enjoyed this show and I hope you'll come back for more. But as you probably noticed, I'm only doing one show a month. If you'd like to be a supporter and help me with the costs, then I'd love to hear from you. Again, write to me if you have any questions about this show or any things that you need help. Write to me, Dr. Margaret rvc at gmail.com that's dr margaret m-a-r-g-a-r-e-t rvc at gmail.com so until we meet again be happy be free and most important make good choices